means we can all listen to the sunny side of sports. Great show, bro. This is sunny side of sports. Right here on the Voice of America. Voice of America. Sporty New Year greetings to all our Voice of America listeners. This is VOA Sonny Young in Washington. Welcome to the January 4th edition of the Sunny Side of Sports. International football legend Pele, who was laid to rest Tuesday in Santos, Brazil, crept into the hearts of millions of South Africans in the build-up to the 2010 World Cup, hosted by the Rainbow Nation. Pele supported an African bid to stage the tournament from the very beginning, encouraged by South Africa's first Democratic president, Nelson Mandela. As Darren Taylor reports from Johannesburg, Pele made many friends during numerous visits to South Africa after apartheid ended in 1994. Augusto Palacios says he fell in love with football and with Pele when he watched him score a hat-trick against France in the 1958 World Cup semi-final. His eight-year-old eyes gazed at the TV screen in awe as the 17-year-old Brazilian tormented the French. Pelé's team would go on to beat Sweden in the final, with Palacios later finding a place in the midfield of Peru's national team. In 1973, I had the opportunity to play against him. And obvious, I meet him obvious in Argentina. In Buenos Aires, also I meet him in, when I was the team manager, Mafana Afana, in the World Cup in France, and also, also in Confederation. Palacios was 21 when he lined up for his Peruvian club, Sporting Cristal, against Pele's Brazilian side, Santos, in a Copa Libertadores fixture. The Copa Libertadores is South America's equivalent of the African Champions League. Palacios says he was surprised by Pele's relatively small stature. His height was 1.73, but the way he jumped over the ball, looking the goal he scored in 1970 against Italy, the heading goal, it was unbelievable. The body aspect, the strong with the ball to protect the ball in the dribbling, unbelievable. And remember also... He laughs and says he couldn't touch Pele on the field and had to make do with handshakes and backslaps off the pitch. His background is, is unbelievable. He never lost his passion or humble aspect from where he came because he came from very, very poor family. He was a very, very poor person, you know, who was selling a newspaper and magazine and clean shoes in the street. Age of 13 years is when... According to the Peruvian, it says a lot about the kind of person Pele was that he chose to remain loyal to Santos rather than moving to a top European club. One can only imagine, says Palacios, what Pele could have achieved with Real Madrid, for example. Yet, says Palacios, Pele's name still became synonymous with the beautiful game, and he won every trophy he ever competed for. Five Copa Libertadores, two Intercontinental Cup, three World Cup, top goal scorer, 1,000, 2,000 goal. He was my hero. I can't copy him, but I can enjoy watching him. Another South African footballing personality who interacted with Pele is Kaiser Motohong, the founder of top club side Kaiser Chiefs. 
1968, Motong was playing as a 24-year-old striker for Atlanta Chiefs in the United States. Santos drove hard against the Chiefs to keep their lead. Paley, number 10, maintained his standing as the world's number one player. Grainy archive footage shows Pele bursting through the Chiefs' defense to smash the ball into the net past an onrushing goalkeeper. Motong says he remembers almost every second of the game. The occasion itself was unbelievable because we knew that we're not only playing against a team called Santos, we're playing against the greatest of all time. He says the tens of thousands of fans in the stadium had obviously come to see Pele, and Pele only, and that was just fine by him. They beat us 6-2, and he scored about three goals. I must say I was very happy because I also scored one goal in that game. As a football administrator, Motong met Pele on many occasions, especially during the 2010 World Cup in South Africa. He was an unbelievable character, on and off the field. But off the field, was such a humble person, you would not believe that uh, he was a top athlete throughout the world and somebody who was seen as the best in the whole world. Motong says of all the famous political figures, musicians, authors and sports people he's met, Pele remains the only one he places on the same pedestal as Mandela, a global icon but with the humanity and humility to make everyone around him feel significant. For the sunny side of sports, I'm Darren Taylor in Johannesburg. Thanks, Darren, and Happy New Year, mate. Pele's impact and influence was big in South Africa and throughout the African continent, as we hear now from the chief football writer at ACLSports.com. Fisayo Dairo. The whole of Africa saw Pele as one of their own. Being a black South American, they embraced him. He traveled down to the African continent a lot and lots of time. He came to Nigeria four times in the 60s and 70s. He came with Santos to play against Nigeria's Green Eagles in 1969 January. And he still came back a month later to play in Benin City. And then in 1976, Pele came to Ibadan in southwestern Nigeria to teach school children the art of playing football. And then three years later, in 1979, he was in Kaduna, northern Nigeria, where Santos also played against Raka Rovers. So it was an amazing feeling for those that were alive that time to welcome the legend. Africans see him as the greatest ever, undoubtedly the best that will ever be. And that's why even in Ghana, one of their greatest footballers, Abedi Ayu, was nicknamed Pele. So many people didn't know, you would have thought his name was Abedi Pele as he was fondly called across Africa. That is the kind of influence that Pele held among Nigerians and our Africans to be precise. His death, of course, has devastated many, but will continue to remember him for years to come. That's Fisayo Dairo, the chief football writer at ACLSports.com. Sporty greetings. This is Fisayo Dairo, 
chief football writer at acsports.com and you are listening to the sunny side of sports on the voice of america portuguese superstar cristiano ronaldo says his work is done in europe adding that he's relishing new challenges both on and off the pitch after being unveiled as a player of the Saudi football club Al Nasser on Tuesday. Well, so far feeling very good. I'm so proud to make this big decision in my, in my life in football. As you mentioned before, in Europe, my work, it's done. I, I won everything. I played the most important clubs in Europe. And for me now, it's a new new challenge, as you mentioned, in Asia. I'm glad for that uh, Al Nasser gave me this opportunity to, to show and develop not only for the, for the football, but also for the generation, the young generation, the women's generation as well, for the young boys. And for me, it's, it's a challenge, but in the same way, it's, I feel very, very happy and very proud. Meanwhile, Al Nasser's manager, Rudy Garcia, is very happy and very proud to have Cristiano Ronaldo on the team. Cristiano is one of the best players in the world, in the story of the football. He's a legend, so it's an honor for sure for me, but also for Al Nasser to welcome uh, Cristiano. And I am sure that for Russian Saudi League, and of also for the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia, is um, it's really a fantastic thing that uh, Cristiano is coming with us to play. Cristiano Ronaldo signed a two-and-a-half-year contract with the Saudi club, which reportedly is paying him $75 million U.S. million a year. Meanwhile, on the day Ronaldo was presented at his new Saudi Arabian club, his former team, Manchester United, again showed it's not missing the Portugal superstar. Man U has won four straight matches since agreeing to terminate Ronaldo's contract during the recent FIFA World Cup. Man U's latest victory came Tuesday when it beat Bournemouth 3-0 in the English Premier League. Casemiro, Luke Shaw, and Marcus Rashford with the goals for Man U, which is currently fourth on the EPL table with 35 points, nine points behind first place Arsenal. The Gunners of Arsenal played a scoreless draw with visiting Newcastle on Tuesday. Elsewhere, Brighton routed host Everton 4-1, and Fulham scored a 1-0 road victory against Leicester City, thanks to a 17th-minute goal by the Serbian, Alexander Mitrovic. This is Sonic Aerosports. Hello, I'm Carol Castiel. What are the major foreign policy priorities for 2023? And how will a divided Congress, a Republican-led House of Representatives and Democratic Senate, affect President Joe Biden's foreign policy agenda? We'll talk with two Georgetown University experts for their perspectives on the nexus between U.S. domestic and foreign policy. That's next on Encounter this Saturday and Sunday on The Voice of America. Sporty greetings. This is Sunday Olise, former captain and coach of the Super Eagles of Nigeria. You're listening to the sunny side of sports on The Voice of America. Thanks. Thanks, Sunday, and Happy New Year. 
the African Nations Championship, or CHAN, will kick off next week in Algeria. This football tournament will feature 18 national teams made up of players currently competing in their local African leagues. So that means we won't be seeing a foreign-based star like Algeria's Man City man, Riyad Mahrez, displaying his talents at Chan. Samson Omale joins us now with a report on Uganda's Chan preparations. Uganda is stepping up preparation for the Chan, which will take place from the 13th of January to the 4th of February 2023. Ugandan Cranes coach Militin Serdadovic has outlined things he's currently working on with the team as preparations for Chan championships continues. We are uh, working with defensive group on uh, how to defend and how to support attack attacking group, how to uh, be the first line of defense, how to help us to enter in attack and how to finish attacks, uh, dividing them into the groups. In the afternoon we work as a team uh, in, in combining those tactical combinations and then uh, practically first and second team will be divided so that we do the, some tactical aspects in the game. Uganda is pitted in the toughest group where they come against two-time champions DR Congo and West African giants Senegal and Ivory Coast. Dear respected friends, sports greetings. This is Milutin Micho Sredovic, national coach of Uganda Cranes. You are listening to the sunny side of sports on the Voice of America. Staying with the African Nations Championship, the Confederation of African Football CAF has released a full list of match officials. The list include 19 referees, 12 assistant referees and 12 video assistant referees representing 32 of CAF's member associations. In keeping with its policy of promoting women's refereeing, CAF has appointed three women match officials. They include referee Vicentia Almedone from Togo and assistant referees Kanin Atazambong, farmer from Cameroon, and Diane Chikutesha from Zambia. Thank you, Samson, and Happy New Year. And big thanks to Samson Omale for all of his sporty contributions during 2022. Hello, this is Heather Maxwell, host of Music Time in Africa. Join me every Saturday and Sunday for an hour of awesome African music. Like to stay on top of new music trends? Breakout artists? New releases? Maybe you just love the classic styles and artists of the past. Or simply the sound and feel of a good beat. Whatever your pleasure, you can get it every week right here on Music Time in Africa. So join me on your local FM station, Saturdays and Sundays at 1500 and 2000 UTC. Thanks, Heather. That's Heather Maxwell, the host of Music Time in Africa, the voice of America's longest-running English-language program. That's right. As the VOA begins its 81st year of broadcasting, this VOA historical note, Music Time in Africa was founded in 1965 by the late 
great Leo the Music Man Sarkeesian. And Heather Maxwell has certainly done a wonderful job succeeding Leo as host of Music Time in Africa. I'm VOA's Sonny Young in Washington, and you're listening to the sunny side of sports on The Voice of America. Cameroon's four-time African Footballer of the Year, Samuel Eto, recently marked his one-year anniversary in charge of Cameroon's football federation, FECAFOOT. And while Eto has been praised for some of his achievements, he's also been criticized for being highly dictatorial. Moki Edwin Kinzika reports from Cameroon's capital, Yaoundé. Hundreds of fans applaud as Cameroon's football legend Samuel Etofis announces that all local games, including league matches, will henceforth be broadcast live on local radio and TV stations. Eto says he wants the world to know that Cameroon football has greatly improved since he became president of the Federation of Cameroon Football Fekafoot in December 2021. He says besides the satisfaction he derives from Cameroon's participation at the FIFA World Cup in Qatar, he is particularly delighted over the calm, serenity and transparent management of resources and personnel at the Cameroon Football Federation, FECAFOOT. He says he will give visibility to Cameroon's football through live broadcasts of matches by local media. Eto says he is at the service of 17 million Cameroonians and that he is happy that he appointed Rigobert Song Bahana, a Cameroonian former player, as head coach of the country's national soccer team, the Indomitable Lions. The former Barcelona and Inter Milan star, prior to his election, promised to transform Cameroon football and give players, coaches and other key actors rightful places. He promised to fight corruption, he said, was rocking Cameroon's football administration with players paying a bribe to play in the country's top clubs and the national team, the Indomitable Lions. Ramon Elume, a Yaoundé-based football analyst, says Eto's first achievement is that he stopped the division that rocked Cameroon football by negotiating an end to cases filed over the legitimacy of the president of FECAFOOT. At the level of the Court of Appeal of Sport or at the level of the Swiss Federal Tribunal, he has been able to put these warring factions to rest. The players are quite happy, given that FECAFOOT has set rules as to how they should get paid, when they should get paid. Elume said Cameroon now has over a thousand youth football clubs. Players in local championships receive monthly salaries of at least $50. Before Eto's arrival, Clubs paid only victory bonuses of about $10 to players after matches. Cameroon's Ministry of Sports accused Fekafoot's executive before Samuel Eto of shabby treatment given players. Cameroon said at least 300 football players had left the country in search of better contracts in Europe and some parts of Africa. Former Victorine, a former football player and coach, credits Eto 
for making women to have interest in football. One of those great decisions we took for female football was to appoint technical directors in charge of female football alone, giving an opportunity for women to be able to express themselves. This is going a long way to empower more parents to allow young girls to play football. Cameroon with Eto as Football Federation President successfully hosted the African Cup of Nations from January 9 to February 6. Cameroon had been stripped of the right to host the tournament in 2019 because of delays in preparation and security concerns. Fans say Eto has ignited the love of football among school children. Imagine what does he do? He finds out Keron. An immediate shot uh, reminiscent of Rafael Leao. This commentary blasts through speakers in a soccer encounter between two classes of the same school with over 500 spectators. Youths say Eto promised to scout and detect players from early ages. But the football star is accused of single-handedly taking decisions. Elume says Eto never consoles other members of the executive bureau of Fekafoot. Most of his speeches uh, we have the use of I more than the use of we about decision making, about leadership. But I think uh, Samuel Eto is trying as much as possible uh, to adapt to the uh, leadership balance. Eto promised to construct 10 football stadiums across the country in the next four years. None has been constructed a year into his leadership at the football governing body. For the sunny side of sports, Amoki Edwin Kinzuka in Yaoundi, Cameroon. Thanks, Moki, and Happy New Year. Turning to tennis, the USA has advanced to the semifinals at the United Cup team tournament in Australia. Craig Gabriel reports from Sydney, Australia. The United States was assured of a place in the overall semis off the United Cup when they took an unassailable 3-1 lead over Great Britain at the inaugural tournament. But then the final score between the two nations was 4-1 after the USA also won the mixed doubles. Madison Keys, for a set and a half, was in trouble against Katie Swan, who was putting up a much better showing than their only previous match, which was at Wimbledon in 2021. Swan won the first set and Keyes was looking concerned, but then when Keyes started to find her mark, she made inroads, and while it was never clear sailing, she ended up winning 2-6-6-3-6-4, giving the USA the first point. But the lead didn't last long, as Cam Norrie, who beat Rafa Nadal earlier in the tournament, came back from a breakdown in the final set to stop Taylor Fritz, 6-4-5-7-6-4. The level of uh, the singles match was, was pretty high, I thought. You know, of all the times we've played, like 13 now, that was probably the highest level match we've had. So, yeah, it sucks to it sucks to lose it up a break in the third. I feel like from that position, I should just be able to serve it out. But it is what it is. I definitely still think I'm I'm playing well. And then you know, we came back and went in for mixed, and we played a good mixed doubles match. So. It's a good end to the day. Jessica Pagula then won the day's most one-sided match over Harriet Dart, 6-2-6 love. Yeah, I mean, my match was great. I played really well. I, there's not really much to say. I was seeing the ball really well. I came out strong and finished strong, so... Um yeah, I don't know. There's not really much to say about my match. And finally, Francis Tiafo put things beyond doubt by beating Dan Evans 6-3 in the third. Hi, I'm Francis Tiafo. You're listening to Sunnyside of Sports. 
on Voice of America. In Perth, the highlight match was Stefano Tsitsipas snapping a three-match losing streak against Borna Choric to win six loves, six seven seven five on his sixth match point. And in Brisbane, it went down to the mixed doubles, which Poland won, and that's put them into the semis. Earlier, Iga Swiatek and Matteo Berrettini had wins for their respective nations. At the regular event in Adelaide, Daniel Medvedev won his match, but the first set took only 20 minutes, a far cry from his previous encounter when the first set was one hour and 20 minutes. Craig Gabriel, VOA Sports, Sydney. Hi, this is Larry London, the host of VOA's Border Crossings, where we feature music and interviews along with your favorite artists from around the world. Tune in and interact live with us here in Washington, D.C. Hello, Shirin. Hello, Larry. How are you? Good. How are you tonight? Border Crossings comes to you Monday through Friday at 1500 UTC GMT. Thanks, Larry. That's Larry London, a man who's always ready to cross musical borders. I encourage our sunny side of sports listeners to follow me on Facebook and Twitter. My Facebook address is facebook.com forward slash VOA Sunny. Once again, that address, facebook.com forward slash VOA Sunny. And my Twitter handle is at VOA Sunny Sports. Once again, my Twitter handle at VOA Sunny Sports. Pro basketball news and an update on Buffalo Bills safety, DeMar Hamlin. Here's the AP's Bruce Morton. Buffalo safety DeMar Hamlin remains in critical condition after he suffered a cardiac arrest following a tackle during Monday's game at Cincinnati. Meanwhile, support for Hamlin continues on a widespread basis as we hear from Ed Donahue. Hamlin is from Pittsburgh. He first met Steelers coach Mike Tomlin when he was 12. They got a lot of love for that young man. We lifted he, him and that organization up in prayer. Fans have gathered outside University of Cincinnati Medical Center. Bills fans and Bengals fans like Billy Jefferson. It was just a big shock. Like It was just a big silence. Like No one knew what to do. Hamlin's family expressed gratitude for the support, saying... Keep praying. The Bills-Bengals game has been indefinitely postponed. Pro basketball, an unpleasant surprise for the Celtics when they paid a Tuesday visit to Oklahoma City and got flattened by the Thunder 150-117. to OKC's point total set a franchise record and got this assessment from Thunder guard Josh Giddy. You know, one guy starts making shots, it spreads through the team and it's contagion, I think. Our offense is really good tonight. We flowed, we moved the ball really well. Um, we got a lot of good looks and, you know, we made a lot of them. When the Bucks beat the Wizards 123-113, this win was due in large part to a career-high 55 points from Giannis Antetokounmpo. You have to be aggressive. Like, the moment you started, like, kind of hesitating and going, like, with no, no full speed, um, you already lost the battle. Elsewhere, Utah barely won in Sacramento, 117-115. Bruce Morton. Thanks, Bruce, and Happy New Year. With more on Giannis Antetokounmpo and that Bucks win over the Wizards, let's go to Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and the AP's Chuck Freeman. Having lost five of his previous six games did not sit well with Bucks star Giannis Antetokounmpo. He exploded for a career-best 55 points in the Bucks 123-113 win over the Wizards. Antetokounmpo plowed his way down the lane on a consistent basis, and the Wizards had no answer. The moment that you have them in, in their heels and you have them 
you know, paying attention to you and all that. Uh, you can create for your teammates and you can create for yourself. The Wizards ended their five-game winning streak. Bradley Beal had a short night, re-aggravated his hamstring injury in the first half. Chuck Freeman, Milwaukee. Thanks, Chuck, and Happy New Year. Giannis Antetokounmpo putting the Wizards on their heels in Milwaukee. With that win over my beloved Wizards, the Milwaukee Bucks now have a record of 24 wins and 13 losses. That puts them one and a half games behind the front-running Boston Celtics in the Eastern Conference. The Wizards now fall to 17 victories and 22 defeats. Taking a look at the Western Conference, the Denver Nuggets are in first place with a record of 24 victories and 13 defeats. Sporty greetings. This is Masai Ujiri, the president of Toronto Raptors Basketball, president of Giants of Africa Foundation. You are listening to the sunny side of sports on The Voice of America. And that wraps up the January 4th edition of the show. Thank you for tuning in. I get it. I'm VOA's Sonny Young in Washington. And that's the sunny side of sports.